friends, let us introduce to you the beautiful Dr. Deb Miller. When asked why, why did you cheat? Why did you violate trust? And they say, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of honest. They really haven't taken the time to really figure out why they cheated. And that, that answer to why is a lifelong journey. And that's maybe somewhat discouraging for people to hear. I think that the reason why people cheat is because someone will see a side of them or look at them in a way that their partner no longer looks at them. What did you like during the affair? Like, that's a really interesting question I've never asked and any of my clients. And what did you like about yourself? Yeah, what did you like about yourself? Yeah. What did you like about what that person said or did? Yeah. And it's like they're craving what somebody else sees in them. And that's not always about sex. It doesn't start mm -hmm. with like boinking necessarily. So <laughs> That'll um, be the name of the episode. Boinking. This podcast represents the opinions of our hosts and guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice and is for informational purposes only. This podcast also does not establish a standard of care, doctor-patient or client relationship. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. And because each person is so unique, all listeners are encouraged to connect with counseling and medical professionals for assistance with their personal journey. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect the privacy of those involved. Welcome to We're Not Fine. I'm Dr. Talia Jackson. And I'm Doug Jensen. We thank you for listening every week to our deep and thought-provoking conversations about relationships. Hello again, listeners and viewers Welcome of YouTube. Welcome to what, 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 what are we called? We're what, Not what? Fine. All you have to do is look behind us at this gorgeous... It is gorgeous. Sign, we are not fine. That is the name of this podcast. Welcome again. Hello. We're so excited, by the way, today. Like, this is a very exciting episode. We're talking about yes. infidelity, which is a big topic. We talk about it periodically, but our guest, Dr. Deb Miller, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. talks so much about the cheater instead yeah. of the cheated on. That's right. And by the way, just... Bear with us as we use the word cheater. I, I feel like it has a shameful connotation and, you know, all human beings are infallible and whatnot. So, but that is the word we're going to use today. But yeah, this is going to be a fun episode. How, Wait, but how are you? fallible? I'm sorry. I said infallible. We are fallible. We're very human. Thank you for correcting me uh, with my grammar. Oh my gosh. It is my pleasure. I bet it's it is. It's one of my <laughs> best qualities. Don't you mean worst qualities? <laughs> no, the best is when I'm like, actually, I've been trying really hard not to do that because no one likes a know-it-all. Um, you are somewhat, but I just keep I my- I try to keep it a secret. I whisper- um, about your, oh wow! Wow, your you sound really good up close like that. I know. <gasps> do you hear? Do we sound like we're in a tin can? No. Okay, friends, Dr. Deb, she was amazing. It was such a great interview. But yes, yeah. she focuses on the one committing the infidelity, which is an interesting angle. So uh, there aren't a lot of resources out there. It's about why I'm sorry just isn't enough. How to deepen your apology. Um fantastic episode yep. and she was lovely but i have um something really important that i needed to tell doug are you pregnant with triplets and they're oh, yours i know i'm sorry i rob. was hoping sorry rob <laughs> no i found something so funny and Can i, I name really them? oh i'm sorry name our children yeah. sure okay 
I'll think about it. Okay, think about it. Oh, that was... I thought you had some really good... Okay, speaking of names, this is what I want to tell you about. Doug Schmug and Jug. Anyway, go ahead. Meet Doug Jetson. That was what people used to call you when you were little. Yeah. What does that date us? And my maiden name was Rudolph. So I had to go around being like, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm the only Jewish reindeer. Hardy, har, har. Okay, but listen to this. And your nose. This is why Minnesota is the best. I'm going to murder you. My nose is very (laughs) You see how I just mentioned her nose? And she's like going very proud of my nose. You should be. So every year, the Minnesota Department of Transportation has a name a snowplow contest. Fascinating. And Rob was telling me about this, and I was just cracking up, and I wanted to share it with you. Okay. Do you want to hear what some of the winners were? The only right answer is yes, but I need you to say yes with your eyes, too. I want it to feel like enthusiastic consent. I'd love to hear. All right, good enough. (laughs) Okay. I'm not an actor. Sorry. Okay, ready? Oh, my God. These are the winners of 2024. Okay. Okay. Taylor Drift. (laughs) Clark W. Blizzwald. (laughs) Dolly Ploughton. Oh. um, Beyonce. You're killing me, squalls. I don't even know what that one is. Okay, do you not know what a squall is? I don't. Okay, well, when my glorious husband turned 50, I took him on a surprise trip to Vancouver. Actually, that's a lie. It's pronounced Vancouver. That's a lie. It's Quebec. Okay, keep going. Delete that. Delete that. Um, I have a terrible memory. Okay, and I experienced my... Stop looking like that. Oh, that's just what your face looks like. I'm sorry. That must have been offensive. Can we talk about your nose? <laughs> Can we talk about your testicular under eye bags? <laughs> okay, where were we? What was I saying? Oh, squalls. Yeah, so me. in Quebec, it was the first time I experienced a squall. Oh, I know what you're talking about. And yeah. it is like a windstorm that yeah. will blow a trash can and a park bench yeah. across the city. And it's... Chicago has squalls. Yeah, yeah, yep. they do. Like yep. when you're holding on to a light pole. Yep, which I've seen happen. Okay. Okay, ready? How ready many more for do you have? Um, a thousand, but I'm going to summarize it in just a few more. I'm going to pick out my favorites. Ready? Fast and Furious. Mm-hmm. Okay, and last year's winners, Cleopatra. Well, that's pretty funny. <laughs> that's a good That's one. pretty good. Sleetwood Mac. Scoop. There it is. Oh, that's pretty good. These are winners? These are the winners. Do they pick one winner or do they get, do all people who won? There are, I think it's done by um, the different counties. I love that. Like you each get a a winner. I just think it's so funny. And it's kind of sad because we don't have a single flake of snow on the ground right now. It's sad for polar bears, but not me. Yep. I love it. Okay. Don't tell. So moving on from these beautiful names, we hope you enjoy this amazing episode. I hope it triggers some questions for you. We actually disagreed on something a bit oh, at yeah. the end. And we feel had free a fist to fight at the end. Comment on this. And then Team Talia or Team Doug? 
you all know who to pick. That's right. So, without further ado, which we usually say before an episode. Without further ado, spell adieu. A-D-I-E-A-U. No, it's it, with, does it have an A in it? I'm not telling. A-D-I-E-U. I think actually without further ado is a different ado. It's ado and not adieu. So you're thinking it's A-D-O-O-O-O-O? Because it's not. We love you Enjoy guys. Enjoy. Friends, let us introduce to you the beautiful Dr. Deb Miller, a licensed professional counselor with 25 years of experience working with couples struggling with relationship repair, much like us. Yeah. Yep. Um, and you have a very interesting take on infidelity and you work with the betrayer or the cheater and you have created some amazing resources for the one that cheats and not the one that's been cheated on, which is a, definitely there's a gap in the resources there. And you have written a book called More Than Sorry, Five Steps to Deepen Your Apology After You've Committed Infidelity. So I'm so excited about this, Deb. And I'll tell you, uh, you know, when we oftentimes have couples come in, infidelity is one of those biggest topics that kind of comes into the, to come into play, right? Yeah. And it's either fresh or it's been something that they've been dealing with on their own for a while and they, and they don't know what to do. One of the things I can't wait to talk about, because I have kind of my own kind of three-prong approach to helping cheaters recover Ooh. and relationships recover, which of course I'll cover in this conversation. But when you talk about steps, I think people generally need a guide. They need absolutely like, what can I do to overcome this? And, you know, we're going to talk about this later, but I think a lot of times, of course, cheating can be overcome. And once people understand why they're doing what they're doing, I think that can be a really significant piece about not only healing, but having a probably even deeper connection with someone once they've dealt with those issues. So I'm kind of curious about what you think about that. But, you know, start by telling us a little bit about what got you interested in this topic and specifically focusing in on the cheater aspect of an infidelity situation. Right. Yeah, glad to be here, glad to talk about this because you're right, there's a ton of resources for the person that was violated, that was cheated upon. And what would happen for me in my office in private practice, primarily back in St. Louis, um, was that you know they would, the couples would come in typically drug in by the person that was cheated on and you know would need a lot of support and help and um, empathy and validation for all the pain that they've been through and they kept and they would ask why 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 did this happen and you know they were truly in crisis and then you turn to the person who actually was the adulterer or the cheater uh and they would be mute they would just be like shrinking yes. into themselves going i don't know i'm sorry let's move on what more do you want from me mm-hmm. and it just got stuck the repair of the couple got stuck and it was really hard to give space to the person that violated the, or betrayed uh, to really explore their, their transgression, to, to explore themselves. And, you know, they want to quickly get in with the eraser and play like it didn't happen and move on. And, yeah, that's what human nature. We love to not dwell in our guilt, dwell in our pain, dwell in our, our uh, transgressions. So... The challenge was to figure out how to balance mm-hmm. the two of them. That's they both point. need help. They both need help. 
Well, and that is absolutely my experience as well in private practice. Like a half of my couples, right? There's, and if it isn't necessarily like betrayal or cheating, yeah. it's just like even if it's like a financial betrayal or, yeah. you know, and we'll yeah. talk more about all the different kinds of cheating or betrayal or breaking yes. of trust, but it's absolutely like there's this sense of maybe defensiveness that doesn't allow for a person to just sit with the fact that they really fucked yeah. up. Well, and there's so many yeah. things we're gonna cover today, Deb, but you know, I would say not only that defensiveness, but that comes from shame, right? Like we all, mm -hmm. I'm sure there's a lot of times this, and what I've experienced is embarrassment and like wishing they hadn't. You said something so substantial uh, when you said the piece about like, oftentimes people are like, let's move on, it's yeah. done. That will not do anything. There's no awareness of what's gone on. There's no awareness internally of what led to that. So I love that you kind of commented that that's the first, you know, reaction that a lot of times people who are in that infidelity yeah. situation mm -hmm. who have who have done the infidelity will say, you know, let's move on. Yeah. I, it's and, okay now. Go ahead. Yeah. And and in fairness, when asked why, why did you cheat? Why did you violate trust? And they say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of honest. Right. They really haven't taken the time. Yeah. to really figure out why yeah. they cheated yes. and that that answer to why is a lifelong journey and that's maybe somewhat discouraging for people to hear but i think it's brilliant it evolves yeah Deb, you know i yeah. i hope that people don't hear that that way because i mm -hmm. think therapy is a lifelong experience i think human growth is a lifelong experience i think if everyone was in therapy for the rest of their lives they would be in really good shape because we are always mm -hmm. changing and evolving whether it's physically or socially or financially or career-wise yes or in our interpersonal mm -hmm. relationships, our needs change. You know, I oftentimes That's talk about cool. my own experience of kind of coming to my awareness of who I really was at about 40 years of age, um, which was mm -hmm. 10 years mm -hmm. in the future. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Many Every, years, many years it never behind gets me. Old. So, I mean, that's the piece. Yeah. This is a process. Yeah. I love that you said it that. It is. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think the answer to why is different on day one of the of the revelation mm -hmm. that there yeah. was an affair versus five years later, 10 years later. And that's okay. You know, it shows that you're still having the courage, the humility, the willingness to self-analyze, to question what motivated you and make guesses because there's no definitive response or answer to why. I'm just going to say it's just kind of a guessing game in some ways. I think it's really important for everybody to hear that it is sort of unsatisfying at the beginning of the work because it isn't like, well, let me tell you what my exact unmet need has been and how I've been not courageous enough to tell you. And so in a weak moment after two cocktails, the woman I work with or the man that I work with or whomever it was this moment that I just didn't even think about. I mean, it's like, how do you even explain these things when you don't have awareness? But I might say that, you know, you said unsatisfactory at the beginning. I might say I think it's really relieving for a lot of people at the beginning to kind of come clean about, you know, this happened and whether they were caught or yeah. whether or not they've decided to tell somebody. I, you know, I've worked with a number of people. Um, I made a horrible mistake at the beginning of my career i was kind of green i didn't know the nuances of how i wanted to assess a client system and i was working with this couple and i said any infidelities i need to be aware of and the guy goes yeah and the woman said so that's the first i've heard that and i'm like fuck me oh no. i totally blew this one <laughs> i like blew it out of the water i'm like oh my god where's well, my supervisor cut right to the chase oh my lord i did but i thought it was a fine question it isn't 
I should have yeah. nuanced myself yeah. a little bit. But going back to this, I think there's relief oftentimes. So we'd love to hear more from you about this. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the confessional <laughs> aspect of it. And yeah. I'm, not, I'm not Catholic, but there is something about <laughs> saying it out loud. And because and, yeah. the definition of an affair is that it's a secret relationship. Mm -hmm. It's a secret. Yeah. And so that's such a burden to carry and not tell. And it's crazy what we can do in our own defense mechanisms to minimize that secret, to justify it, to, you know, um, to find some way of being okay with it. I mean, it's, it's crazy when you step back from it and go, how did I do that for so long? How did I lie to myself for so long? And so that's the hope. Of, and that's one of the steps is saying it out loud. Mm. Because yeah. If you could just say it, and it doesn't mean you confess to the world, you don't confess necessarily your children, your parents, your neighbor, but you tell someone, hopefully a few people, uh, and you need to process it out loud. As, as Doug said, you know, therapy is an easy uh, place to yeah. process it out loud without continuing to wound the wounded, mm. the person that you cheated on. Right. You know, it and yet... The person that got cheated on needs to know something. Right. They need to know a little bit about what's happening, uh, a little bit more about the why, the self-discovery. Um, and so there's a nuance there of how to talk about the affair without reopening all the wounds. I really like the idea that it's a couple's journey of discovery mm -hmm. and that both partners might be stumbling upon some insights at the same time well sure and yeah. that maybe it just feels like it's one way to externalize the problem so it doesn't feel like me against you or i'm good and mm -hmm. you're bad but it's more there's been this rupture um let's look at it together i mean in an ideal world of course there's yeah. so much pain and so much betrayal and dr deb i'm curious do you, have you found, and I mean, we could talk about our experience too, but have you found that all types of betrayal are equally traumatizing and scarring, like finding out that your partner is flirting online or liking people's posts on Instagram or emotional affair or a one night stand or like, do they all land as the same amount of breaking mm. trust i have a lot of opinions on that well, i mean that, i'm like biting at the we bullet we all have go opinions <laughs> all right i'll go first and Doug, i want to hear yours yeah, yeah i i don't think it's the same i mean i think it's about the recipient and their own uh, happiness their own sense for a sense of self-worth mm. and then of course there's that relationship dynamic that um has been going on for a long time you know i spent a lot of time talking to couples about how do you rebuild liking each other nice. because there's so much resentment that maybe the affair, the secret, whatever was the breaking point. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, that's the journey, the process of trying to dissect it all. But the, the person that was wounded really does get to dictate if and how the repair will happen in the sense of, are they really willing mm. to let go of their, somewhat let go somewhat of their pain deb you know one of the things i love that you just did is you kind of focused on it depends on the recipient mm -hmm. or the wounded and their response to it i'm going to go a little different direction about this as well i would say that uh in terms of like betrayals being different i think they can be very different 
I think there's a really big difference between liking a, a woman's post or something if it's a, a, a heterosexual male or vice versa. I think there's a big difference between that or watching porn, which I've had couples come in and say that that feels like cheating to them mm. um, and, a, yeah. and a several years long relationship where there's a different family, which I've also dealt with in oh my practice. My. You're right. That um, is like next level. Oh, it's next level. And there's so many different layers of that and then complicating factors about like who the wounded's, what the wounded's role is in those other kids because they're kind of, <laughs> yeah. anyway, yeah. Um, that was a, yeah. that was a wild situation. Wow. I'm also going to add, I work a lot with uh, people with HIV, living with HIV. And so I've dealt with a lot with people who have contracted sexually transmitted diseases and the reality of like something like HIV or herpes, uh, something that is lifelong and not curable or treatable. Um, those things complicate matters too, because every mm. time there's a complicating medical issue related to any STD or STI, the reality is it brings up that wound. And so I think there's a lot of different pieces. And like, I, especially if someone contracted it. Oh, yeah. In, you know, in a not an honest way. Oh, like my someone God. Didn't tell that's them. how it works. Yeah. I, I've had that horrible. happen actually several times in my practice, too. Horrible. And, you know, I had one couple where, you know, he had been he had contracted HIV. The the spouse was horrified um, as a heterosexual female. And we had to work through that. Oh. And luckily she tested negative. But the reality is she went to go get tested a few more times. It was so traumatizing mm. to know that that risk was mm. there. So I would say that the layers are really indicative of how bad there it can be. And I also will say yeah. that it depends on how quickly the person is able to identify it. Mm -hmm. I've also had clients who come to me and they're like, I cheated on this work trip. Do I need to talk about it with my spouse? Which I want to hear your take on oh that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, um, that's not even in I know it's not on here. It just dawned on me as you were talking like, when people come and they say, do I have to tell my spouse this? I want to know what you think. I Wait, maybe it is. Maybe it is in the agenda. I don't think it's in the agenda. But yeah, how soon that happens, Deb, I have... Yeah. <laughs> that was... <laughs> no, no, that's a tough one. <laughs> I love that. I love that face of yours and that sigh. Um, when I would... Uh -huh. and I, you know, yeah. and I'm going to... I'll put my two cents, but I want to say first, if you cheat on your spouse and you go directly to them after the event and you say, I need to tell you something, if it's quick... That remorse is really much more powerful mm. and, uh, you know, I think tangible for the person experiencing it. And they see the the remorse in their their spouse. They see that they want to come clean and be transparent mm -hmm. moving forward. Um, I am going to say that I have chosen with clients and working together with clients the decision not to tell their spouse that they cheated. I have them make sure they are STD tested to make sure they're not going to transmit anything. Um, mm -hmm. I have them understand and I work on exactly what you're talking about, which is Let's help people understand what it is that is going on for them to the best of their ability um, about why they did what they did. But, you know, and I don't think it's always critical. Sometimes I think it can be more harmful. What if you mm -hmm. were the person cheated on and your partner, their therapist was like, mm, Doug doesn't need to know this. What I would say is that I take jujitsu and I know how to <laughs> choke both your therapist and you. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't do I don't want to do that. Um, but I, you know, I wouldn't like it on the other side, except if I never know and my relationship is intact. How do you know you're never going to know? And because uh, what you said, uh, what you so said. So you're hearing yourself. We don't, we don't know the right answer. And we have to help our client figure out what's the best um, outcome for them. Obviously, they need to explore why they're having one night stands and what that's about and what their commitment is to their significant other you know and, and certainly when we talk about violation of trust about secrecy it's about breaking a covenant but, and what is their covenant and mm -hmm. nowadays we've got 
more and more polyamorous relationships, and then that's not cheating technically. Ethically non-monogamous relationship, right. and that's, the word ethical right. challenges that moral code, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly, which is, you know, it still brings some relationship issues, of course, that they need to work on, yeah. but um, it's not the secret. So if someone had an, a one-night stand and they feel remorseful you want to, and they want to tell their spouse, you want to make sure it's just not for the confession, confessional, mm. um, naive, like, if I tell, then we'll be over it and I can move on. You know, so you have to really slow them down. And time is such a huge factor mm. in all of this repair. I agree. I mean, you know, it can't be too impulsive. Many affairs are impulsive initially. And you have to really get people to slow down, especially even the person that got hurt needs to really slow down and not have to make a decision if they're in or out of the relationship immediately. Mm -hmm. they, they have the, you know, give them the bandwidth to like, process it, watch, listen, see um, how things are progressing. I mean, my two cents is that I also don't think it's a one size fits all, not to say it's a one size fits all, but I feel like there are a few factors that can certainly make it a million times worse. And I think one of the factors is if you're busted instead of being the one to say, oh my gosh, honey, yep. I did a thing, we need to talk. Yep. And the second one is if it's been over years or even over weeks, if it's been more than once, I think that's a different kind of betrayal because it's- Then it's a, emotional as well, right? And it's yep. like you have made the decision not to tell me a thousand times every day and you've still given me a valentine's day gift or you still picked our kids up from school and all of those moments have been a lie because you were doing this other secret thing right it's like that ultimate betrayal yeah i call that the divided life Ooh. that people can do it you can like be the great citizen churchgoer and have a secret family in another town. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's crazy yeah. what we can do in our, in our heads and in our right. actions. You know, we kind of want to compensate for it, but it's it's the divided life that that gets us in trouble. And the only way to make that connection is through self exploration, talking to someone, you mm -hmm. know, exploring all of that. that it's is the it's challenging. Deb, I wonder if you yeah, might comment. I'm going to switch gears just a little bit, like. We, we kind of reference now many times like why people cheat. What would you say are the primary things you find are related to why people cheat? Yeah, Talia put that as a question. I, I was grateful to think about that. I mean, I really think it's about intimacy. We're all craving closeness. Mm. We're all craving being involved with other people who know us on an emotional, physical, spiritual, recreational level. And it can't just necessarily be one person, you know, yeah. but within the boundaries of, um, of a significant other relationship, we have to make sure that um, we know how to be intimate, you know, yeah. and, and when I, especially families or couples who have had kids or they're, they're going through all those stresses with young kids and work, you know, we, we all get somewhat masters, we can get masters of being, of cohabitating, really good at living in the same house, the same bed, really functioning on a really high level, you know, getting things done, taking the kids, paying the checks. But the intimacy is, mm. is the missing piece. 
Yeah. And so when we meet someone that maybe flatters us or makes us feel uh, like our egos boosted or that we're, you know, attractive, yeah. then it's, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. It yes. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree. I think that the reason why people cheat is because someone will see a side of them or look at them in a way that their partner no longer looks at them or they they see a part of them that they miss about themselves a part of them that, that maybe miss- has like fallen asleep or died a little bit if you are you know you're married a long time or you've been in a relationship a long time you have kids you've got to deal with diapers and carpools and dishes like nothing is less sexy than those things and then all of a sudden you meet someone who looks at you like you're young and buoyant and untethered and reminds you of when you were 19 and there you go and that's part of the work it's really important in terms of helping the cheater explore what happened mm-hmm. is for them to talk about what they liked about themselves in the affair. Oh, that's beautiful. Yep. Spot on. Because to notice how they needed some of the whatever strokes they got from the other person or how they maybe were more outgoing or they were more romantic with the person or they were um, more energetic, uh, more positive, who knows? But then how do you take what, how you were in the affair back into maybe your primary relationship and hopefully into future relationships. Yeah. I, I don't want to minimize how good affairs can feel. You know, <laughs> I, I wanted to honor the pieces that worked, that kept them in it. You know, it's so and interesting. And they need to figure out how to hold yeah. on to it. Absolutely. I mean, I, it kind of speaks to two things for me that you just said. I, first of all, I had to write down like, what did you like during the affair? Like, that's a really interesting question. I've never asked any of my clients. And what did you like about yourself? Yeah, what did you like about yourself? Yeah. What did you like about what that person said or did? Yeah. And it kind of brings me, like, I kind of uh, oftentimes go down that path. I shouldn't say kind of, I do. Down that path of, like, addiction. Like, I think about what it what mirrors this with addiction. And I always use the HALT method. Yeah. Hunger, anger, lonely, tired. The acronym HALT. And I think to myself, those things are so related to me. If you are resentful at your spouse or, or significant other, if you are feeling lonely, if you are, which goes to your intimacy comment, right? Um, or if you're feeling yeah. really fatigued and you're tired of life and you have kids and laundry and dishes mm-hmm. and all of the mundane paying bills things that we do. Um, and I the think, hungry might just be like a sense of longing or of just unmet need. Hunger for, yeah, hunger for anything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not just food, but I find myself thinking, you know, I oftentimes work within that paradigm for people to understand like what was missing. And it brings back what we talked about at the very beginning of this uh, episode. And that's that therapy is critically important. You have to understand that as we Mm. grow, how do we keep our relationships alive? How do we keep ourselves growing in our connection to people? How do we make sure that our sex life remains active? And I will tell you, And I speak from personal experience. I've learned so much more about myself as I get older Mm -hmm. on that sexual level. Mm -hmm. And if I were to ever have a boyfriend or a significant other, I would find myself really needing to continue that dialogue, like make sure that we are stimulated and happy and whatnot, um, because that Mm -hmm. ongoing communication gets lost so often. So when you talk about intimacy needs, Mm -hmm. how great it is to just keep talking about it and talking about it and talking about it. And I'm big on weekly meetings. Like I think every couple should have weekly meetings or thruple or any polyamorous situation, have ongoing meetings to make sure you're all on the same page and you're getting satisfied and your needs met, please. Yeah, yeah, the question uh, is that to periodically say, how are we doing? That's it. You, know, mm-hmm. you need to really talk about your relationship. But, you know, when you think about chit chat, it, it's great. We can all, how was your day, honey? What'd you do today? Yep. What did kids do, whatever. That's fine. 
But then once, not daily, you know, once, at least every two weeks, how are we doing? Yeah. Is there anything we need to be working on in our relationship? Um, how can we feel closer? How can we have more fun? You know, um, you know, and it is a different love language for both, you know, and I'm sure you've seen those five love languages and that's a good framework to think about because the physical intimacy need can be really high for one partner and not as high for the other. And so then the now what, how do you handle that? And how do you, um, make it so both feel loved and liked? And that's challenging because we aren't. We're not. We're going to be attracted, probably, to someone who's not just like ourselves. You know, we we tend to be attracted to opposites, and that's interesting yeah. initially, and then annoying as heck. <laughs> you can so. swear. I swear all the time on here. I saw. I can. Oh yeah, you did. Oh okay. yeah, I did before. Oh yeah, <laughs> we swear all the you time. Saw me pause. I do feel like. I mean, what you're saying is also that people need to own their own unmet needs where where it is really challenging mm. if in your partnership someone does have a much higher libido than the other and I don't know about you guys but I feel like I have yet to meet a couple that both people involved are wanting intimacy and sex the same amount right and so what i mean do you feel like that is a contribute like a one of the highest contributing factors to why people step out on their relationships i i I mean sex a big driver sex physical intimacy is a big driver it really is when you talked about intimacy deb what what i heard was both emotional and physical Mm -hmm. and that's that's why i would say it's not just about the sex piece it's about like really caring and seeing that person i mean we just talked about why why people cheat and it's like they're craving what somebody else sees in them. And that's not always about sex. It doesn't start mm-hmm. with like boinking necessarily. So <laughs> that'll um, be the name of the episode. Boinking. Your affair doesn't start with <laughs> boinking. I like that. Keep it. Um, <laughs> You'll get a lot of viewers. I will, <laughs> actually, I do love that name. Please remember it, Alex. Feel free to use it. I know. Oh, that's hilarious. Do you want that next to your name, Deb? Because yeah, that's where it would be. Think, <laughs> I don't think so. Sure. No, why not? Whatever. But you know, it's interesting too. I um, I think that's an interesting question. I just don't think it's always that. I think it's lo- loneliness is not about it's lonely. getting loneliness. Off. Yes. Right. Well, so, unless yeah. you do have some sex addiction, which I feel like there's a lot of that too. I don't know exactly where to say that line is, but I always worry about my couples where one person is consistently, weekly, being like. I've mentioned this a million times, like physical touch is my love language. I want more sex. I don't know why it's so hard. You always seem like you're too tired or you're too sick or you're too busy. And that's a real unmet need for me. Sure. For like years, people, you know, and then I'm like, I worry about But when you talk about sex addiction, I think loneliness is oftentimes a trigger. Again, the halt. Hunger, anger, lonely, tired. I think that's a big piece of what triggers addiction. But and with triggers addiction, relapse. I think that sense of emptiness and hunger never goes away. So you're always looking for something to scratch the itch, yeah. but it's an unscratchable itch. That, oh, is that the yeah. name? What? No, I like okay. boinking better. Boinking, the unscratchable inch. Inch. It's a, it's a scratchable inch. Oh my God, that's kind of funny. <laughs> we have so many, we have so many times. You're right, we're going to get lots of viewers no matter what we call this, Deb. And I will apologize that you are on this episode. No <laughs> shit. With boinking and scratching an inch. Um, <laughs> but I think, 
I think there is, um, I mean, I don't want to stereotype, but I will a little bit gender wise, you know, I think the, the need for males traditionally is in order to feel connected, they need the physical and for yeah. women to feel connected, they need the talking and emotional, the, the, the hugs, you know, and so that's the understanding of each other's um, needs and differences. Um, and it's saying yes, or not, it can say you can say no, as long as you promise to try the next day or something, you know, you can't just yeah. say no. No, I like know? that too. I talk to my couples about like, there needs to be a, a quick ish turnaround time because if somebody mm-hmm. has a bid of love and affection yeah. and intimacy, you can't just be like, mm, no, I'm too tired. You have to figure out then yeah. when you're going to initiate or that sting right. of rejection and neglect really does right. linger. But that's the challenge of repairing of, of an affair because you re- you know that's like the tip, the tip of the iceberg that some things have been happening in their relationship for a while. And yes, our inclination as therapists is to jump in and try to figure out well, what's your relationship like before the affair. Yeah. And there is a time for that. There is a time for that. But yep. this... My intention is to help the person who had the affair really react in the short term, you know, and, and not like finger point, like, well, yeah, I haven't had sex for the last three months, therefore right. I feel justified or, you know, I, I can't feel like, that, you know, that is, no one that, appreciates yeah. me and therefore, yep. you know, you, you get it. And so there has to be a lot of humility on the part of the person who cheated to accept that. They, 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 and you talk about shame, Doug, but I, I also want to empower them. I want them to feel guilty. Right. Guilt <laughs> means yeah. I accept what I did wrong yep. and I'm going to make some changes. Take responsibility. Whereas shame yep. is I'm a horrible, terrible person and I'm never going to be different. So I want them to feel some guilt. I want them to take responsibility. I want them to recognize that they are human though. And humans make mistakes yep. and we screw up and yet it's not a death wish. And that's the hard part to instill in couples is that this was horrific, you know, and this was traumatizing and no, you'll never forget it, but you can move forward and you can use it as a signal for how you can be um, more connected and, and healthier in the future. You know, it's a part of that growth. Deb, you know, you said death wish, and it kind of brings up a question for me about like, the idea or the proverbial saying, once a cheater, always a cheater. Mm. Um, I will tell you, I 100% disagree with that statement. I think it's really trite and simplified. I'm curious what you think of that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, people can change, people do change, but they have to make the commitment to change. They have to have an intention of being different, of learning from their mistakes. Um, You know, our society has this huge, you know, the the big red, red A adulterer, label on anyone who has so that's the hard part when yep. someone gets cheated on they have to not necessarily tell people because the the assumption is everyone's going to say oh my god once a cheater always a cheater you better get out of there there's no way this will fix you know and there's then they feel like you know they can't take the time to process and work with their significant other mm-hmm. to see if it's repairable or not I mean, um, I've had a few, I, I'd say that in my experience um, of working with couples for almost 20 years, that it, you've got a 50-50 chance of making your 
relationship work after an affair. And I also find that it tends to be about when you are the one that has cheated. It's about the ownership and remorse. Mm -hmm. And then it's about committing to a journey of insight and Mm self-awareness and Mm -hmm. behavior change. Because like what I like to tell my couples is, yes, you know, you look back at your old relationship and it was perfect and there was no, you know, no trust issues. But now you have an opportunity to have a real relationship, not a perfect one, but you can choose to get into it, talk about all the gory details, and you can have a level of transparency and intimacy and connection that you didn't have before. You can really know each other warts and all and yeah. have it be the most beautiful connected relationship ever. And I've seen it happen. Absolutely. I was kind of thinking about that 50-50. Do I think it's 50-50? I think if they're in my office and if both parties identify a willingness yes. to look at things openly and honestly, and you know, there have been times that some of my couples just need details. Like I will set aside yeah. two hours with people you know, just have a question and answer session. And I will tell you nine times out of 10, the questions start and the person who has been wounded mm. kind of quickly stops and they're like, all right, I got enough. I appreciate that he's willing to tell me or he or she is willing to tell me, but I fucking don't want to know those details yeah, anymore because they're painful, right? Yeah. Uh, but there are some questions that need to be answered. And I always tell the the cheater, and we're using that word today, um, it's kind of a, you know, whether we like the word or not, it's what we're using today. The reality is, you know, the cheater being willing to answer all those questions as transparently as possible, even if they're painful, like, did you have sex on, in our bed? Tell yes. the truth. It is a, at that point about telling the truth. And I remember I was helping one couple do this and <laughs> the cheaters, oh, the God. cheater actually went to the far end of the, the room and sat in the chair <gasps> and the person was on the other end of the couch. They were like really far from each other. And I remember thinking, if I need to jump across the table and sit in between them, I will. Oh my um, God. But it was very clear he was like worried about getting hit with some of his answers. And I'm like, oh, I don't love this. But really, the yeah. this was a heterosexual couple. She kind of stopped asking. It just wasn't all that relevant. Um, I want to go That's to right. something. Mm. Um, and we're way off top uh, off our script here. But, you know, Talia, you referenced that approach that you might think is important. It's very similar to my three prong approach, which mm. is a really significant amount of remorse in the apology, mm-hmm. a sincere apology, sincere. having and, and you said journey of insight. But I would say just having a lot of information about why you did what you did and not doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I just kind of keep it really simple, right? Um, Deb, I wonder if you might talk about your five steps. Mm. Thanks, yeah. Yeah, well, I, to try to make it digestible for the people, because honestly, the person who cheated is now running out to buy my book. You know, it's usually the person <laughs> yes, who they wounded. are. Starting right. now. That's go hilarious. I love buy that. buy Dr. <laughs> Deb's book. Everyone, if you are even thinking of cheating, Wow. Do it. Yeah. That's very yeah, funny. But typically it's the person that was hurt is handing the book to their significant <laughs> other. So you need to work on yourself. You need yeah. to read about yourself. So step one is empathy. I mean, they, you've got to understand how hard the wound is that you've just imposed on the other person. And, you know, that, and there's a skill to that. There's learning how to articulate empathy, not only feel it, but to articulate it. And I'm sure you guys teach your clients that skill because mm. yeah. it is a skill and then the second step is discovery i call it navel gazing it's not in a hedonistic way but um to kind of self-analyze yourself and there's a whole lot to that like yeah. what's your personality style what's your attachment 
lifestyle, what's your um, trauma moral, history, moral inventory, yeah. history, yes. yeah, all that. Defense mechanisms, coping mechanisms. So that's a really huge chapter. Um, mm. Step three is, um, I had to look, say it out loud. Yeah. So you're doing this work and you have to find at least one confidant um, to talk about it with so that you can process, so you can be more honest. Because with 10, you know, it's like the other person can be your mirror and then you can be more uh, authentic with them, hopefully. And then the fourth goal is set restitution goals. How am I going to be different? What am I going to do differently? How am I going to make change? And then the last step is to ask for forgiveness. Mm. You may or may not get it. I, I model um, writing a letter that really starts with sharing what, they, what you've learned about yourself and what you know you need to work on, you know, that humility, courage, um, and intention to be different. That's beautiful. Um, so it's, it's a process, though, and I don't – this book is not intended to sit down and read it in one sitting. Yeah. It's a journaling process. It's a reflection process. It's a digested a little bit at a time, which that's hard for the person that got hurt to wait yeah. for this revelation. I find myself but kind of struck by this five-step uh, approach mm -hmm. that you have. I appreciate every single one of them. Yeah, I, I think one of the things I think about is the grief process, you know, the five phases of grief or six, depending on what theoretical framework you you share. But I think there's a part of this that I found myself thinking, so this could go different ways. Mm. Like you don't have to necessarily do them necessarily in order from where I sit. Like you could say th something out loud the first time as the first step to somebody. Like it could be that they could be uh, right. in different different phases or different different ways that this shows up in order. Um, but I'm really intrigued by this. I want to go to what your fourth step is, restitution. Mm -hmm. um, the question is, boy, are there different ways of doing that? I, I was working with a couple once where um, the cheated on was so angry, she wanted to go post a, a, a big billboard in this person's yard saying, a whore lives here. Oh my God, um, revenge. Well, and the funny, revenge. And I literally said, if that's what's going to get you past this, go ahead. And the person who cheated looked at me and said, what did you say? And I said, <laughs> I'm, giving your, oh I'm giving the cheated on permission to do what they need to do. By the way, the minute I gave permission, they're like, I don't need to do that. I just needed to know that I could. What a relief. Oh, <laughs> what a relief. I, I, I got to be honest. I was like, let's talk about the legalities of doing that. Maybe you'll get in trouble with the law. But, you know, if this is what you need to move forward, I don't think like this yeah. is where the cookie cutter approach to what restitution right. is, is not really applicable. So I'm kind of, you know, mm -hmm. I think people need different things. I, I tell people, keep your phone open, keep your computer open, do whatever that person Action. needs to build transparency, trust. transparency in all ways. Like. Yes. Do not hide your phone anymore. Right. Because so, like, what I will no. say is like that the one of the pieces that's more important than anything is that the person that was cheated on starts to doubt that like, well, I thought that two plus two equaled four. I didn't have any doubt in my mind that this person was trustworthy, but now I'm not even trusting my own sense yeah. of what happened. And so that transparency has to be a part of the restitution of like two plus two does equal four. I'm saying I'm going out to happy hour with Bob, Jeannie, and cam and there you look at my phone there's proof right there all of a sudden the trust builds because two and two equal four i also want to make a mm -hmm. comment about what i the example that i just gave like one of the things i oftentimes find is that people do get angry as the person who cheated with their loved one instead of the loved one themselves and holding them mm. accountable like it's really easy to blame that other person for yes. seducing their 
partner or whatnot. Oh yeah. And the bottom oh, yeah. line is the per yeah. the partner is still the totally. responsible one. So mm -hmm. you can be mad at anybody else mm -hmm. that they slept with or the person that they paid yeah. uh, as an escort or sex worker for for services. But the reality is it's it's their decision and they need to be held accountable. Going back to your comment about responsibility, That's right? So Guilt, mm -hmm. taking responsibility for being mm -hmm. human. Mm -hmm. So I want to make that mm -hmm. note because it seems mm. like it happens a lot. Go ahead, Deb. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm thinking of a, a couple of couples I've worked with who successfully got through it. And I have to say a lot of it, um, the success was on the wounded person. They they set some expectations and they um but they also were willing to be curious and to let go and to you know accept that the past was the past and they can't change it but you know the transparency piece is like i think your third step dog of, of the simple repair yep. you have to you have to give up your privacy you don't have privacy right now that's yeah. right it's a you know, it's a privilege that's earned and, and very honestly, mm -hmm. this is where sometimes, um, I, I feel like I'm always interrupting here. Uh, this is where I would also tell people, be clear on what you want, mm -hmm. because this is mm -hmm. a, a fork in the road by which some of my clients have decided, I do want an ethically non-monogamous relationship, mm -hmm. or I do want mm -hmm. you know, polyamory, and I'd like to explore that with you. But it's about being upfront before you cause the damage and asking for what you need. Like I think about what transparency is. If you need to watch porn, if you want to jack off, every day in addition to having sex or whatever like however you want to work your sexual experience um, or your loneliness experience or your intimate experience you have to be able to be upfront about that whatever it is i i have had couples that are trying to open their relationships both gay and straight mm. um and you know sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't boy does that take a lot of insight on yourself and self-awareness yeah, to do that and openness and willingness to, yep. to say out loud everything yeah i have one couple that was dealing with pornography and yep. you know she was really cool accepting it and he went to get help but they the they would periodically um had problems because he would sneak back into it yep. and for, you know it didn't it wasn't rational it's like why didn't you just tell her she knows it you know just tell be honest but there's something about the shame of it and you know if i don't tell and i won't get caught and that naivete and that's Another interesting thing about in today's world with our technology, the reality of getting caught is very high. like you <laughs> oh, are it is. going yeah, to absolutely. get caught. I find yeah. that like I mean what this explains like even when you think about all of the different steps of deepening your apology for those mm -hmm. listening, this explains why I'm sorry just isn't enough. Right. People need to know why and how and make sense of all of it and one dynamic that i it didn't even occur to me when i was writing the itinerary but i'm dying to know what the two of you think about this the dynamic of the cheater is quote unquote the bad guy or gal mm -hmm. and now has this sentence of like you are in repair mode you are in the doghouse and then the cheater never feels like it's the right time for them to be able to speak their needs because they're in the doghouse. Mm -hmm. So when do I get to say these are actually some of the components in our marriage yeah. or our relationship that I don't feel great about and some of the reasons why I cheated to begin with because that sounds like blaming the victim, right? right? right. So like that dynamic is so hard to get past, I find. I know, and I have this weird 
four months. I give them like just just to put some sort of context or or boundary or or uh, hopefulness around it. Like, come on, stick with it for four months mm, of, like of doing your repair, of saying I'm sorry, of working on yourself. That's kind of the framework I said for getting through my book. You know, take your time. And then you get to say, and this is, again, the skill. How do you say, here's what I need from you? You know, and so the push is to know that, yes, you do have to grovel in the dirt for a while. You know, you have to show remorse and you have to um, be the bad guy in a sense, but it's not forever. And that's, that's the hopefulness I keep pulling, wanting to yes. build into repair. This yeah. isn't a forever sentence. You are going to move forward and through this, but you have to go through it. And that's four right. months is nebulous. I have no idea if that's no. It gives <laughs> people a framework. Much, not enough, but right. Yeah, it's just I, a framework. I might say years or a lifetime, but yes, I, <laughs> that gets overwhelming, and then you can get into the hopelessness of the whole thing. They right? But it's like it's a good it's a good reminder that like we're yeah. not going to fix this in this moment. Yeah. It's like you're committing no. to a process and a journey, not a quick fix. Yep. And, you know, I want to say two things about this. Uh, you know, we've talked a number of times about, like, how often it is that the person who is wounded gets blamed, like they weren't putting out or they yeah. didn't touch me the way that I asked for, or exactly. I did ask for sex on a regular basis and they didn't do it, or these are the things that I want to explore. I want to explore BDSM. I want to explore these kinks and fetishes in my relationship, and they are not doing it. Like, you can't do that. I always make it very clear at the beginning of my work with people where infidelity is an issue they present in the in the therapy I always say, so just be aware you are not responsible for that person's cheating behavior in any way, shape or form. You have nothing to do. You are not responsible for their choices. Um, and it's really important to make that delineation, I think, right up front. I want to say two things, Deb, about how beautiful you have talked about this from you said two things. And I know they seem really simple to you, probably. But at the beginning of this conversation, you said people can change. Mm -hmm. And I just it really hits me as kind of the core of what therapy is about and what we as therapists want to instill in people about what this process is. I want to just reiterate, you said it so simply and we kind yeah. of pass out and it just like bl blows me over because we have to believe yeah. as clinicians mm -hmm. that people can change in order to work mm -hmm. with them and that we, we have to hold on to that hope for them. But also, you know, kind of the, you know, whenever somebody asks me like what therapy is about, and I've said this a million times on the podcast, so for our viewers, please accept my apologies for keep saying it. <laughs> but I believe this is, uh, therapy is about living an honest life. It's about figuring out who you are. It's about deciding how to live your life that is based on what you are and who you are. And everybody, of course, gets to do that in this lifetime, as long as it doesn't infringe or hurt other people is my, is my caveat. But, you know, you said something as well about just say it, like just tell the person what's going on for you. Tell them what you need. If you want to watch porn, don't do it secretly because they're going to see your history at some point. I don't even know how that works. Mm -hmm. um, I understand now that incognito, I think it's called, or something where you go like in a different screen. It doesn't, it really isn't secret. I mean, so, yeah. you know, I look That's at this and I, that, right? and I think it's kind of, right. I think it's kind of funny. So this whole idea of like, no matter what you need, no matter what you want, and we live in a society, and you talked about religion before, like you're not Catholic, but the idea of like being upfront and honest and, and coming clean. Um, I think there's a part of this that we we really hold on to such shame about sexuality in, in, uh, in particular. And the reality is whatever you are, whoever you are, you get to live this life in mm -hmm. the way that makes you most satisfied and happy and just be honest about it. But that process of coming to grips as somebody who took a lot of time coming out as a gay man. Now, now find myself wanting to say I'm, I'm mostly gay. Um, so I have this evolution of my experience as well. You want to make out? I'm kidding. Um, um always, so, always. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say Deb, that you said it so simply, and I just want our viewers to hear those really simple, but beautiful comments yeah. you made. So, yeah. 
Yeah, because it's so discouraging to confess, to look in the mirror and say, I'm full of sin or whatever label yeah. you want to put. Oof. And you could get just stuck, just totally stuck. Yeah. You have to believe that you can change, things can change. And that, you know, yeah, there must have been a reason you stumbled into this other relationship. And um, you, you get to figure that out and you get to make sure that the future, you know, does bring you intimacy yeah. on a physical, emotional, spiritual, and recreational level. Yes, you, we you all get to deserve do that. that. Mm -hmm. For and sure. the trust thing is so interesting. I think, you know, how can I ever trust this person again? And right. trust is also, I really want to teach people that trust is about saying who you are and that the other person can accept you. Oh, that's so important. It is important. It's, mm -hmm. it, what it creates a healthy relationship, of course. Acceptance is a big piece. And maybe like more yeah. than being accepted, even like celebrated, because that I think is many people's unmet need is I don't just want to be accepted and tolerated. I want to be celebrated. And there are people out right. there in the world that actually might think I'm fantastic and might be delighted by me and might laugh at all my jokes or not be annoyed by my this quality or that quality. Yeah. And so I feel like that is incredibly important. This is OK. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. talking about the trust and the forgiveness, this is sort of like the last piece. Right. So like the trust and the forgiveness, if it's all about if the point is we need to be living an honest life. That means we also have to be forgiving ourselves. We have to forgive our partner for cheating. We have to forgive ourselves for cheating. But when do when is that line between like okay can you hold the remorse and regret and shame and guilt but also you're human and you need to forgive yourself like how do you know when you're being too quick to forgive yourself or when it's the right time too quick yeah okay. you know what i mean yeah. i mean it's i yeah i think yeah we're taught certainly in the christian um religion to forgive and and that that and there's something about letting go of the anger, the hurt, the ticked off. I mean, selfishly, you really want to. It helps you, but can you be too forgiving of others or of yourself? That is something to keep processing. You know, have I truly um, accepted my wrongdoing? Have I truly been remorseful? And again, over time, you hope that. If you, you know, you can look back at five years ago when I stepped over the line, uh, you know, I did something really stupid and I can forgive myself now because look at me, I'm now uh, honest, more authentic, right. more open to everyone else. So yep. I don't, I don't know if that answers your question, Kelly, but it's, yeah. it's confusing to say about too much because I think um, that is the, the hope initially of the person that cheated is to say, just forgive me. Will you forgive me? We ask yes. That's not a yes, no. That's right. And as I say to clients, you're not going to get back to 100% trust. It's just not. It's just not. <laughs> but you well, hope to get to 80%. Or, I don't know. Well, and the question is, should you 100% trust anybody else all the anybody. time? Because they are human. We right. all have fallibilities. We all make mistakes. Mm. Um, your comment just now, Deb, kind of triggers a question, which is, and I realize we're focusing in on the cheater, but what mm -hmm. would you say and what tips would you have for the person who is betrayed as the betrayer goes through their process? Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, to get their own therapist, they, mm. they have to do some individual Love work. First of all, they have to process their hate. They get to vent and scream and cry and yell and say, why, why, why? They get to, yeah. they do get to. Um, but they have to also figure out if they can listen and to the other person and uh, be curious. Um, and yet it's a bizarre time because it's, you know, you, you want to talk about it all the time and yet that's not practical and it's not healthy. So you have to like compartmentalize um, the fact that you're working on your re repairing your relationship um, while you also have to go to work and you have to do laundry and you have to get the kids to school or whatever it is. Mm. And it's really hard. And so you have to do a lot of your self care. It's a crisis. And, you know, simply, simply speaking, you have to yep. sleep, eat, uh, have something to laugh about every day, exercise, I mean, get I fresh air. That. You know, I mean, it sounds so simple. But you also have to recognize that there's no time frame on this and you have to yep. let go of fixing it. But I coach them also that they're allowed to say out loud when it comes up because we're bombarded um, by television, movies about people having affairs. And you may think you're done talking about your, the, the issue that you had uh, with your partner, but you, it's going to flare it up again. And you get to say it out loud, mm -hmm. but it's how. How do I say, Pat, today, for some reason, I could, I just kept, I drove by a yellow car and I remembered that yep. that's what she or he drove. And that's I, right. I was thinking about your fare again. You get to say that. Every time. Every time. Every time so for as person, long as you need to. Right. Or want to. And that's the mm -hmm. price that the cheater has to pay is that they have triggered their partner and they need to be open to hearing like it's not quite over. I've been triggered. But I think you're right. It's the how. Because if the partner is doing these snide, snippy remarks that are passive aggressive and real jabs that is not yeah. in honor of repair that is just like mm -hmm. i want you to hurt the way that yeah, you I wanna... hurt me and i feel exactly. like there's something about the cheated on there's something that goes hand in hand many people feel like if i forgive you that means I'm condoning it and it means I'm a sucker and it means you're going to do it again and you're going to make a fool of me again. So I'm always going to hold it over your head a little bit. And I feel like it takes so much courage and vulnerability to decide that you're in this. You actually love each other and you're going to accept that your partner is a human that made a mistake who's trying and that's where i feel like the willingness yeah it's all about the willingness yeah it's really interesting though i am finding myself aware that my ability to let go of a mm. betrayal has not been great um i i am an external processor we've been joking about this a little bit like i have to like and i you know i recently did this and i, I just have to externalize some of this upset I have and then I calm down and, and then I can get to that place of like I don't forget but I can forgive mm -hmm. and I can move on mm -hmm. but boy do I you know and I just want to say this to people who have a similar history to me of some abuse some abandonment some uh difficulty in their childhood it is hard for me to do and I own that as mm -hmm. someone who knows what I'm doing when I'm working with others but it's hard to do myself but it takes time and I end up putting up boundaries to protect myself mm -hmm. really, really fast. Like my wall goes up hard and fast. I think um, that's common. Yeah, I, th I think it is common, mm -hmm. um, but 
and and I come I come through it okay. Yeah. But I just want to give people permission as well to not be perfect. There is no way of doing this. You don't have to move on fast. You don't have to, you know, forgive yourself or forgive uh, the other person so quickly. But you cannot blame yourself. And I think it's a really tough thing to remember your own self-worth yeah. in a situation like this. So that's one tip mm -hmm. I would say to people, too, who have been trained. Don't forget your self-worth and don't forget that you should be chosen. And don't forget that every day that person should regard you. And don't lose yourself in this process. And it's hard not to do mm -hmm. that. So mm -hmm. that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Those are very powerful words. Yeah. It's, it's tough and no, nobody would wish this on anyone. Right. They have to work through betrayal and repair. Um, but it's the acceptance that this is where, you know, the couple's at that point and they have to figure out how to commit to, and was it Gottman? Somebody said, you know, Probably. was asked research wise, can, is there any factors that can predict which couples actually stay together? Oh, yeah. That's him, the and four horsemen. That's right. Yeah. But it wasn't one of it also the, the commitment to the institution of marriage. Oh, interesting. That was a predictor. It's a great question. I don't I, know I, about that. Maybe that wasn't. I don't Gottman. think that's in the four, but you know, it's interesting that what you just said is probably a piece. Um, I don't think that's mm -hmm. the entire story. Yeah. Like, I think John Gottman's brilliant no, about his not longitudinal no, no, research yeah. um, and his wife, Julie, as well. But I think there's a part of this that I love that idea. Like, what do we think? Mm. What have we internalized about marriage or about commitment or about relationships? Mm -hmm. And really, I thank you for bringing it up because that's really an important piece of like what expectations we put on ourselves. And it is fascinating right. to me that we get stuck in these very rigid ideas that are societally influenced about Right. gender roles and about what what a marriage is and of course mm -hmm. as a gay man and having now the legal option to get married which i don't want um just for anyone you're who's rejecting it i'm rejecting it entirely i don't i don't um i just it's not for me but it is for other people and i believe in it for other people so everyone gets their own journey is my That's point right. but you have to look inside and not just be told by other people what it should be so mm -hmm. I have one. I could talk about this for hours and hours with you, Deb. I know we can um, keep going. <laughs> I have to talk to one that. last thought before we ask you to um, plug all the interesting things that you're up to. But it might be an unpopular opinion. But when you're just saying like never blame <laughs> the cheated upon. Yeah. This is my unpopular opinion. That's going to get. I'm going to hate it canceled. if you contradict me. I'm going to. I'm about to get canceled. Yeah. I feel like we are responsible for thinking about how we co-create our relationship, no matter which end we're on, if we're the cheater or the cheated upon. And that's not to say that if you are actively missing out on meeting the needs of your partner that you deserve anything that's not at all what i'm saying but if there's been an infidelity you're walking back there keep nope. going keep going if you find yourself in a you know relationship where somebody has cheated on you i urge you to sit with the possibility that your partner might have unmet needs that's 100 their responsibility for knowing how to speak about them but if you think that you might make it hard for your partner to be really honest with you if you're defensive if you minimize them if you poo-poo their needs if they're telling you what they want and what they need and you're making them feel badly about it 
that's co-creating a situation. No. This is what I, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to agree with you that everyone is a participant in their relationship and everyone has a role in making it work. That is for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's very close to you saying you are contributing them to the other person's behavior. And if I punched you in the face right now, no, because you're contributing to the unmet need and the other person is responsible for their behavior and they need to be brave enough to speak their truth. But if you're somebody who's impossible to talk to because you're very defensive and you start screaming right away, or if you don't want to hear about it, or if you make them feel bad, you are contributing to a relationship where honesty, like there's no safe I think that's totally true, but I think that has nothing to do with infidelity. I don't think that has anything to do with someone else's. We want to hear from our listeners. We want to hear from our viewers and our listeners. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Team Doug, Team Talia. (laughs) And I don't know. Where's Team Deb? What do you think, Deb? (laughs) Oh, well, I think, you know, when you work with a couple, you're trying to work with how they bounce off of each other. Mm -hmm. Right. You're trying to figure out, you know, how they can change the energy between them, how they can both get their needs met. Yes. That's couples work. Correct. This work that I've been promoting is about the individual work of the person that violated the trust Mm -hmm. and what they should do. I'm not minimizing that the person that was wounded, um, that chose not to have an affair, they definitely still have work to do too. They do. So I'll be your peacekeeper between the two of you. Oh, she's good. And recognize that, yeah. She's good. I was just going to say, I know you're going to find a way to nuance this really beautifully. Well, we yeah, just, yeah. oh, I Dr. Mean, I, Deb. You both make excellent points. I did not, you know, the person, yeah, you did not make the person sleep with someone else. That right. Didn't, yeah. They chose that action. They it's like chose if I punched totally you in the face right now, Um, you're not responsible for that. I am. I agree. In that particular situation, I agree. But however, I also, you annoy me a lot. So you've can. <laughs> there we go. That's the co-creation. I'm so I'm kidding. I'm not going to do it. Um, Doctor Deb, please tell our people. <laughs> Doug's choking me. Um, where they can find you. Tell us again okay. about your book, which I am totally sure. going to have on my bookshelf. Yep. Can't wait. Thank you. Yeah, here it is. Um, more than sorry, five steps to deepen your apology after you've committed infidelity. Nice. And of course it's on Instagram and not Instagram, Amazon. Awesome. Amazon. I do not do the social media thing. I'm really pretty much retired and I do see some people virtually. I love uh, it. You're living the dream. But yeah. So my website is, uh, you know, www.drdebmiller.com. Dr. Deb Miller. Drdebmiller.com. Get the book. We're going to have this in our show notes for those of you, oh, you. that yeah, are looking. There's a connection to the book on the website, too. So, okay, yeah. great. Thank you. This was so fun. You Thank guys are really you. energetic and yeah. provocative. Deb, and- yeah, Deb, honestly, I, you know, it's one of those conversations, as I said before, I could go on for hours. We could talk about this Thank for hours. And I so appreciate you joining yeah. us. Thank you for being a part of our podcast. Yes. It's a pleasure. Thank so you so it. much. You. Good luck to both of you. Thank you, you so much. The world. Thank yep. you. Thank right, you. Bye Take bye. care. Thank you, Deb. <laughs> do, do you have this mesmerized? There's that great episode. <laughs> we hope did you, enjoy you love it? it? I know you loved it. We, we know you. We do. We did. Yep. It was fantastic. Um, Friends, if you enjoyed it, like us, subscribe us, tell your friends, tell your enemies, send it along, rate, review. 
Doug needs his ego boosted. I don't. It's fully intact. And, of course, go to we'renotfine.com, no apostrophe, W-E-R-E-N-O-T-F-I-N-E.com. Go to We're Not Fine, and we have a place for you to not only subscribe, but also um, to put any questions you have. So there's a you can do it anonymously. You can put your name in. You can do whatever. We're glad to put your name on the on the uh, air as well. But the reality is, yeah, let us know if you have any questions about relationships or mental health or anything bugging you in this planet right now. We love um, your issues. We love your give issues. Feel free to give us anything and we will try to answer and what we can. find us on social There's nothing we won't media. talk about. There's yeah. nothing. Nothing. It's Douglas L. Jensen with an E-N, D-R Talia Jackson, and We're Not Fine Pod. Yeah. And YouTube. Oh my gosh. YouTube is actually... You have to find out how cute we really are and go to YouTube. Yeah. You'll find us. Just look up We're Not Fine. Bye, y'all. We're not fine, but... At least we don't have a snowplow named after us. Really? Because I feel like that's goals. <laughs> <laughs>